Welcome to Grow Your Influence, leadership conversations for business owners and managers. Whether you own a business and have a team, or leadership is part of your role, welcome, you're exactly where you need to be. Join co-hosts Juliet Robinson and Christy Lee Billet for their regular conversations on all things leadership. No corporate jargon, no textbook ideologies, just real life experience unpacked in a relaxed way to help you be your best boss and lead your team with confidence, clarity, and control. This is Grow Your Influence. Let's dive in. Hey there, it's Christy Lee and welcome to this episode of the Grow Your Influence podcast. You may have noticed I am here solo today because we are welcoming you to our summer series of the Grow Your Influence podcast. Every summer here in Australia, Juliet and I love to bring you a series of really fascinating conversations that we've been having with other leaders, with leadership experts, with thought leaders and innovative thinkers in the space of human behavior and leadership, experts in their field, and in some cases, authors and speakers. And today is the first of our summer series for the 2023-2024 summer. In today's episode, we are welcoming leadership expert Brett White from Be Leaders. And I'm sharing with you a conversation I had with Brett in 2023 about his thoughts, his research, and his findings about our behaviors as leaders and why the way we do things and how we show up and who we are as a leader is just as important, if not more important, in fact, than what we actually do. So having all of the leadership foundation skills still really important, but it's how we do things, who we show up as that is most important to our teams. I really enjoyed this discussion with Brett, so I'm excited to bring it to you here on the podcast. So without further ado, let's dive into the conversation with Brett White from Be Leaders. Brett, hi, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you. You're a returning guest on the podcast, <laughs> and that always means that we have great conversations. So I appreciate you coming back on. And I really love the topic, actually, that you've chosen for today's uh, podcast episode, because today we're going to talk about leadership behavior or the behavior of our leaders. And I think it's this, we could probably record 10 podcast episodes yeah, on I this topic, so. to be <laughs> fair. But before we dive into it, why don't you let uh, everyone know a little bit about yourself, the work that you do, and, and who you serve? Yeah, sure. Um, so I run my own business called Be Leaders, which basically focuses on organisational health and, and leader development. Um, and I guess for me over the last eight years, my emphasis more and more and more has been focusing on, you know, those organisational culture and how a leader's behaviour, a leader's, you know, way of doing leadership connects with uh, healthy culture and healthy outcomes. And so a lot of the work I find myself doing now really is focusing on um, developing, you know, a leader's way of doing leadership as opposed to what they do. And so um, I think that's been a really significant shift in what I do uh, as a consultant, I guess, in that space. Um, so, yeah, like you have had a little podcast, uh, <laughs> you know, this, I mean, there's a lot of things that we do that very much connect um, as we just sort of chatted for a while before this. So, um, yeah, and I've written a couple of books, um, one around mindsets, uh, for young people and one around uh, navigating the kind of 
gap between our current reality and our dream you know that that like what I call a lacuna um, which is kind of that unfilled space between those two points and I think I wrote wrote that book just as COVID started not realizing how um in, <laughs> how kind of important that message was going to be for so many people um so yeah so that's 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 been good and at the moment as I said to you earlier I'm developing you know, some content um, specifically relating to helping leaders understand and develop effective behaviour. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great stuff to be focusing on. And we were chatting earlier about this real shift in the industry generally in, a, in the market about developing leadership skills versus understanding what leadership is about, which is about relationships and it's about, yeah. you know, how we are showing up. And everyone can have their own unique leadership style, but there are certain ways of behaving as a leader that are going to have different impacts on, on your people. And, you know, I work in the world of HR, which means employees coming in and out of businesses. And after doing that for more than 20 years, I can tell you definitely people leave leaders, not jobs. So yeah, the leadership yeah. piece is what helps people make decisions about whether they're staying or not staying or coming to a business. So um, it's very, very relevant. So if we just, I guess, unpack at the higher level, and I know you've been doing a lot of research in this space, when we're talking about leader behaviour, are we talking about every single aspect of behaviour? Is it right down to tone of voice and eye rolling and the words we use and all of those things? Or is there a specific definition that is sort of framed around this leader behaviour piece? I mean, there's probably more than one answer, but I think... Um... If leadership skill or capacity is what we do as a leader, then leader behaviour is the way we do it and kind of who we are as a person while we do it. And so, um, you know, I think it's important to develop good leadership skills, Mm -hmm. but it's also important to understand that you can be, for example, you can be a great communicator from a skill perspective Mm -hmm. but if your behavior is crap for example your your ability to communicate effectively is reduced and the impacts that that has actually become negative so you might have you know the skill of communication or you might have the skill of decision making or you might be a good time manager but if your behavior is unhealthy disconnected um, toxic, controlling, um, or or just not healthy in the way that you you know enact those things. So the 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 way you do uh, mm. time management, for example, um, it has negative impacts on culture and people. And so, in a sense, it's understanding that while results are critical, and I would say, but relationships are more critical. And so, mm. focusing on the relationship as a priority actually gives you better results, um, which is interesting because out there, particularly in the corporate world, you know, we are still focused on results. It's all around, you know, KPIs and it doesn't matter how I behave, I'll get rewarded if I hit my KPIs. And I just think that's unhealthy. And, Mm. and some of my research has been just having conversations with emerging leaders young leaders and what they're looking for in senior leaders in organizations that they want to work for and it's all about the relationship it's all about how they're treated it's all about the behavior of their leader manager uh, supervisor ceo or whatever the context is and so you know at a high level it it 
touches every part of what a leader does mm. is how they behave while they do it. Um, yeah. You know, from visioning uh, to self-leadership to leading teams that, you know, for me, the leader behaviour connects with all of that. Mm. And it's really interesting that you mentioned this research that you've done on a little bit of impact. And this sort of discussions that you've had with these emerging young leaders, I was having a conversation with some other uh, business leaders just this morning actually around is there a generational difference? Because we know that the younger generations coming into the workforce have very different expectations about what work is to them and where it fits in with their life. And this connection, this greater good, this feeling, uh, a sense of contribution, I guess, is really, yeah. really important to them, as is communicating in different ways to what, you know, possibly we would have expected entering a workforce. Do you think that generationally this is pushing some of this change towards relationships or do you think it, it crosses all generations? Um, I, I think to a certain degree it crosses all generations, but I also would agree that the younger generations are pushing something that is different. I think, you know, I look at my my generation, so mid-50s, um, you, people would just work for the sake of work. It was didn't really matter if there was a connection as much as long as they got paid and, um, you know, they were treated reasonably okay. I mean, I look at back at some of the environments I worked in as a young person, They were the culture was atrocious, like abusive and so toxic. But, you know, you that was just what the norm was in a sense. You got, you got paid, you did your job, you went home. Um, I think that has changed a lot, I think. Um, but I also think older generations have sort of like some of that change. I mean, I know I do personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, you think about the whole employee engagement piece and, you know, I was saying before, you know, at the moment, I think globally we're at about 20% engagement. So there's only 20% of employees are engaged in the workplace globally, which to me is a small, very small percentage. And yeah, so there's 80% of the employees and, and and in Australia it's about 21 or 23%. So it's not that much higher than the global stats. Mm. Um, you know, so there's a lot of people going to work that are not engaged. And I think for some, the older generations, that didn't matter as much. Yeah. But I think the younger generations, they want to be in a place where, as you said, they contribute to something bigger than just their role, that they feel like they're a part of something that's making a difference you know, that they appreciated and valued, supported, that they have a voice. And so if they're not getting that, um, they're not going to be engaged. They may stay in those workplaces for a season, but they won't stay long, which I'm sure you're experiencing (laughs) uh, in your workplace. Um, You know, I I talk about um, employee engagement simply with people, you know, they love what they do, they Mm -hmm. enjoy who they do it with, and they do it well. Those three things for me are sort of a simplified version of what what it means to be engaged at work. And the whole enjoy who they do it with predominantly connects to their supervisor or their boss. Um, It's the number one contributing factor to disengagement is leadership. And so, and and not the skill of the leader, the behaviour of the leader um, or the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I find those engagement stats just staggering in a way and also there's so much money being left on the table if you've got that level of 
disengagement or non-engagement in your employees. I mean, we know that high engagement drives productivity. It has impacts on profitability. So there's a direct business case for working on employee engagement in the first Mm. place. So it's not, this is not a warm and fuzzy. This is an actual genuine business resource and and way to engage, to, I guess, work with people to get, you know, better results and more output as well. So um, that's almost scary, (laughs) that level of Yeah, I agree. It does my head in because, I mean, it's interesting. And, I mean, I think, you know, they're talking about, you know, people a lot of people leaving works getting new jobs is kind of and i've seen it in a lot of the clients that i work with there's been like this massive sort of turnover um and i think a lot of that is connected to this engagement piece um but you know as you said you know the higher the level of engagement in the workplace you know less less staff turnover higher retention lower recruitment costs you know that higher performing teams the efficiency, productivity, pro- profitability, that, you know, yep. they all go up. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I, I believe it's critical that um, organisations are looking at how do we develop the behaviour of our leaders because it's so interconnected um, to the overall output and engagement of, of a team, of a workplace, of an organisation. And when you talk about healthy businesses, healthy cultures in businesses, a healthy culture is one that can survive all sorts of things being thrown at it, isn't it? It's a culture that is robust, that is obviously positive and engaged and all those things, but it's also a protective mechanism in a way, having a a healthy culture in your business. That's a really interesting framing to put around culture um, is to have a, a healthy culture. Is that how you view having a healthy culture in a business? Yeah, absolutely. I think healthy culture doesn't is not like the absence of conflict or it doesn't mean that things won't go bad or, you know, that they'll have down times profitability-wise. You know, it, it, what it does mean, though, is that in those times um, we, we continue to behave in ways that build trust. We continue to behave in ways that, you know, um, support and invite adaptability and creativity and innovation um, in in healthy and productive ways. Like we're constantly looking at ourselves and asking ourselves, you know, how can we do it better? It means healthy culture means I'm open to critical feedback and I'm not um, offended when someone says, oh, you probably need to have a look at this and do that differently or better. Um, Healthy culture invites critical feedback because there's a high level of trust, um, a high level of buy-in and, you know, a sense of, you know, this, what I'm doing is important and I'm a part of um, something that is healthy and productive and, you know, making a difference, whether that's just making a difference in technology or yeah. agriculture or it doesn't really matter. It doesn't mean yeah. that, you know, you're, you're saving people's lives. It doesn't have to be to that extreme, but it yeah. needs to be healthy cultures about, I know, you know, why we do what we do and it's important. Um and so, yeah, I think the healthy culture, as you said, is really about not just means that, you know, everything's great and we don't have problems and yeah. there's no issues and we don't have conflict and we don't, you know, have to deal with tough things. It just yeah. means that that when those things come, if you have a healthy culture, you have a much higher capacity um, to be resilient. You have a much um, more openness to innovation and creativity. Um 
you know, and I think those things are really critical in what helps an organisation flourish even when it's a bad day, even yes. when it's a hard season. Mm. Um, an organisation can still flourish and grow and develop because the culture is strong and the culture is healthy. There's high resilience, high trust, high yeah. engagement. Yeah, absolutely. One of those simplest ways that I've seen culture kind of unpacked is the Simon Sinek uh, quote where it's just values plus behaviours equals culture. Because okay. I get asked a lot about creating culture and changing culture. And, and that really, if you just get it down to its simplest form, it's what are our values? How do we behave? That's going to determine what our culture is. Now, there and you if, go. So he's talking about behaviour um, yeah, again. Exactly. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard that quote, but I do follow a lot of his stuff, but I haven't heard him say that directly. So that's a, I'll have to remember that one. <laughs> yeah. And because I love that behaviours piece because it's, yeah. it's how we behave in the workplace. And if that applies across our team, it, it applies even more so to our leaders and how they're behaving. Because if our leaders aren't behaving consistently and in a way that is, you know, positive and, and all the other things, our culture is going to be off and that's going to have all those flow on effects as well. Absolutely. Interesting. And I think the other thing about behaviours that I love is that it's mm -hmm. not dependent on your position, your education, your gender, your status, your age, your title, your experience. It's, you know, anybody can develop healthier behaviours. Um, and so for me, I, I love the idea that it's, you know, this is not just something that a CEO can do or needs to do. It's actually something that everybody needs to learn and develop um, and growing is the way the way we behave. The way we show up, absolutely. absolutely. What, what are some of the, I guess, when, in the research that you've been doing and the work you've been doing in this space, I'm really curious about what are, are there common traps or pitfalls or mistakes that keep showing up over and over again when it comes to leaders' behaviour behavior in the workplace? Are you seeing common threads there? Uh, yes, definitely, because I think, um, you know, as we learn to grow and develop sort of key behaviours, my focus is really trying to help people understand what are the, what's the daily things I can do. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, learning to grow and develop, say, one of the key behaviours I think that is missing a lot in leaders is empathy, for example, um, and so I think it's really important that leaders develop empathy, but what does that actually look like? Does that mean I have to be soft and fluffy? Um, you know, not at all. Um, does that mean I can't be strong? Not at all. So it's understanding what are the daily practices, I guess, I can apply to actually help me grow that kind of empathy muscle as a leader. Um, and I think, for example, the lack of empathy uh, for me would be, again, one of those kind of traits that I see in in kind of high level. It's almost like when you get to a certain level of leadership, you no longer have to be uh, empathetic anymore. It's because I think that's culturally what we felt we need to be. Um, and part of that, I think, is like connected to your question is about leadership awareness because I'm acting and behaving in ways that are connected maybe to some of my own, um, you know, behavioural blind spots, some of my own, you know, issues that I need to deal with, the, the need for control, the need to be heard, the need to be seen. Um, and so I think as the leader grows and develops, they have to not only understand and develop some of these sort of core behaviours and learn how do I behave in a way that's going to 
be the most effective. But what what stops me from doing that? Mm. Um, and I think those kind of conversations with leaders are courageous. Uh, they can be quite confronting, but they're the conversations that need to happen um, because there are particularly around you know, that kind of high-level leadership, there is a lot of, I think, misguided and misunderstood expectations of what a leader should be mm. and, and what's connected to that. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, I still think we've got a long way to go yeah. um, because I do see a lot of leaders acting badly. <laughs> yeah, oh, I agree. I agree with you. <laughs> and do you think it's in part, our experience has formed our expectations of how we should behave when we if we've been climbing that ladder. Possibly haven't behaved particularly well. Are we modelling behaviour on what we've seen in our experience rather than what we perhaps even think is right personally? Is are we seeing a bit of that as well? Yeah, I mean, I think we do. We we do behave in ways that we've learned. Um, you know, so for example, you know, growing up, if you've never seen or been exposed to dealing with conflict in a healthy way, then you just take that on. And until somebody tells you that that's actually not appropriate um, or not effective, then you don't necessarily know that because you just, you know, you're just taking on what you've, what you've learned by observation or, you know, by those people around you. And it would be in essence, the same in leadership, yeah. Um, it's because we think that leaders should be like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually think a lot of that is actually misguided and wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, what does it mean for a leader to be assertive, for example? Doesn't mean they can't be kind. Yes. I can't be generous. I think leaders do need to be assertive. I think it's a, you know, it's a really important behavior, in my opinion, of a great leader. But it's not, um, it's not negative absence of those other things yeah I can still be kind I can still be generous I can still be invitational I can still be a great listener I can still be all those things and be assertive but for some unknown reason at that leadership level I think we feel like oh to be a leader or a team leader or a manager or supervisor I've got to be a hard nut um Mm -hmm. you know I've got to kick people's butts um and sure there may be times when you have to kick people's butts but there's a way of doing that Mm. Um, that to me is still empowering of those people that you are working with and alongside. Mm. Um, so again, it comes back to not the what you do, but the way that you are doing it and who you are as a person when you do it. I mean, it's interesting when I asked young people, I said, you know, if you think about the leader who has impacted you the most in a positive way or a negative way in your journey so far, was it the skill of that leader that impacted you or was it their behaviour? 99.9% behaviour, behaviour, yeah. behaviour. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's it, we can see it as common sense, but the reality is it's not common sense. It's not happening in practice in workplaces. No. Do you think part of the issue is a self-awareness piece as well? Are leaders, I know some of the leaders I work with, when we sort of shine a light onto a few things that, you know, maybe they've been on autopilot or they just haven't thought in that way, when they become aware of perhaps a blind spot or how they've been communicating or the impact of the language they've used or the, the direct tone that they've used, 
it's like a light bulb goes off, I often think. Do you think we're not doing enough self-awareness work with leaders? Uh, absolutely, because I think the, the self-awareness piece is so critical because you can't create change around something you're not aware of. Yeah. And so, therefore, if you don't have the awareness, you'd go exactly what you said. You sort of, you we've picked up habits or methods or ways of being as a leader that are ineffective or, you know, and again, a lot of the time, it's not that the leader is deliberately trying to be yeah. controlling or manipulative or selfish or rude or whatever. Mm. It's just, it's all they know. And yeah. so um, to, to then point that out to them, to me, that awareness piece is probably the starting point mm. for behavioral change because you can't change behavior you're not aware of. And so, but see, that takes some courage and it also takes a bit of a desire to want to be better um, and, and not just stay where, you know, and, and particularly I think for leaders, experienced leaders that have been around for a long time, they're kind of, you know, quite can be quite stuck. This has always yes. worked, so why do I need to change? And there's nothing wrong with the way, you know. And so that conversation and journey can be quite challenging. But I do feel more and more that, the senior leaders are becoming more and more open to that conversation mm. um, because I think they are, they can't deny really what they're hearing anymore, surely. Yes. Um, and and the thing seeing. that I'm seeing, certainly with the younger generations, they're not afraid to be very no. about how they're feeling and what they're thinking and what's important to them, where generations before were a little bit more um, tight-lipped in terms yep. of even if they did feel a certain way, they wouldn't necessarily speak up about that until it was catastrophically bad. You know, younger people coming into the workforce these days will tell us at interviews exactly what they're yeah. expecting and what they're wanting yeah. and uh, what's important and, and what value uh, that has to them. So you know, those leaders, even if they are stuck in their ways, if they've got the pop, their finger on the pulse, they must be hearing the same message over and over again. And I'm certainly seeing leaders very willing to to make change certainly yeah. younger leaders especially they they've got this thirst for wanting to understand better what they should be doing how they should be doing it uh that I, i'm certainly seeing that desire for change which yeah for sure right you need to understand that and so i know you're working on a whole range of different leadership behaviors that are, are important across the board you've mentioned empathy yeah uh, there are a few others that you've done a lot of work around or you're here, you know, in your research, you found out that, um, that you think are really important for every leader in terms of behaviour? Yeah, so you mentioned one before. So awareness um, mm. for me is a key uh, behaviour that I believe, you know, leaders need to learn and develop. Um, so they need to learn how to be reflective. They need to learn how to, you know, think through their behaviour and ask the right questions um curiosity would be another one that I think is really important for leaders to develop as a behavior the behavior of curiosity uh, I think you know inclusion is really important obviously that's a again it's a it's a it's a big kind of talking point around um businesses and organizations at the moment but what does it mean for me to behave yeah. in an inclusive way um and then other things like innovation, adaptability, uh, building trust, um, alignment in teams. Uh, for me, you know, there's there's some of the the key behaviours that I think are important. Mm. Um, 
and then and then some even the practical things like decision making as i said before yeah. and communication are more they feel like they're more skill driven but there's still a set of behaviors that i believe is really important for leaders to develop so yes what we do as a you know a good communicator but then the way we do that um mm. you know so exa- one example would be inclusion you know so when someone is communicating are they thinking about um the inclusive part of their communication so yeah. are they including the right people um in the in the in their way their behavior of communication and so you know i think it's interesting um you know i sort of looked into the whole behavioral leadership theory mm-hmm. um which has been around since 1930 and there's there were two main kind of behavioral leadership theories one kind of focused is focused on um kind of like the task orientated behaviors and one on the relationship orientated behaviors and then more recently there's been more um a couple that they've added around innovation and sort of transformational leadership but it's interesting because they say you know if a leader can develop strong healthy behaviors in one of those areas they can be an effective leader but they but i've also then read if a leader can develop healthy behavior across that so more of a holistic approach mm-hmm. so yes in my tasks but yes in my relationships and yes in my um innovation if i can develop healthy behaviors across all of those then i will have the capacity to be able to be the most successful and at the highest level and so it's not like we haven't talked about the importance of behavioral leadership mm. um and how a leader behaves before but i do feel like it's kind of got put on the kind of down the bottom somewhere as not yeah. an, not an intentional focus um and so we've really focused i think in the last 20 years around uh, you know knowledge uh learning um technical ability um and leadership skill and i think that's partly why we're at where we're at yeah employee engagement it's interesting because i think what we were calling behavior is probably now what we would call leadership skills and leadership yeah. strategies like communication where yeah. what you know what you're talking about here is behavior in in terms of how we do what we do how we show up and all the nuances and, and it sounds like there's a lot in there that's a very different approach, I think, to behaviour, and I think it's much more aligned with what we know and understand to be behaviour from a you know behavioural psych perspective as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I loved that you mentioned curiosity because I talk about that a lot, and it seems a bit woo-woo to, to a lot of people <laughs> I talk to about it. That you know, I, I give people this uh, framework for having a curious conversation with their team member to actually try and get to the bottom of what's happening before we are performance managing or we're dealing with other issues, and it's a real block for a lot of managers and leaders um, that I work with to have a curious conversation. It's something that they just hadn't considered being curious about what might what what's the experience this employee is having in this moment yeah. because we're dealing with the symptoms or behaviors that we're seeing and we're making assumptions quite often about what's leading to that without being truly curious and being willing then to listen because I think that I, I'm hearing that a lot. From, from employees is they want to be heard, which you've mentioned a few times today. Oh, absolutely. So important to them. Um, but curiosity, I think, is a superpower we all have. <laughs> and I think 
I think as we get older, we are not as good as when we were younger okay. at using our curiosity. So I, I was really glad you mentioned that one because I think... Because I think we do, as you're right, we get a little bit kind of set in our ways. And I think, again, I would agree that I, I see leaders dealing with employees or an issue at work or whatever it might be and they've made a whole series of kind of deductions and conclusions and go into a situation to you know I'm going to make these decisions and make these changes and you know but they haven't been curious at all Um, and because of that they've missed a whole piece of what's going on and so um, I think yeah I mean I talk about it as well a lot with leaders about you know, try to be curious for that little bit longer. Mm. Um, ask that one more question. Uh, you know, I mean, I think to myself how it would, how it feels for an employee or, or someone, you know, on your team mm. to be actually asked questions curiously makes such and, and such an empowering thing, right? Mm. Um, instead of just making decisions and deductions, um, to be curious about what's going on for people, what other people think what their, you know, creative piece is in that process, um, I think is absolutely critical. And and I think more and more young people are, they respond to a leader who is curious, genuinely curious, not just yeah. in what they can do, but in who they are as a person. In who they are and what's important to them, yeah. both in and outside of work. Because until you have that understanding, you're not going to be able to shop for them as a leader in the way that they need you to, you're not going to be aware of what's happening so that you can, you know, possibly help navigate that. There's just a flow on effects. But um, I definitely see that, yes, younger people have got a thirst for it, but everyone who, you know, is in the receiving end of an actual curious discussion where someone is really interested in finding more, um, sometimes if they haven't had that experience before, I say to the managers I'm working with, you might need to try this a couple of times. You might not get, very far in the first meeting because they're not used to opening up because you haven't given them that forum, that environment before. Um, But they're so appreciative of feeling like they sometimes don't even want you to do anything. They just want to feel hurt. So um, I think it is, that's a really big one. So if if you're a a leader listening right now, an emerging leader or a a seasoned veteran leader, and and they want to start to look at behaviour and maybe making change, Where's a good starting? What's a, a somewhere that they can start to get into this a little further? It's a really good question. And I think at the moment there's not heaps out there mm. um, that people can access. Um, you know, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm kind of in the early stages of developing some content, focusing on kind of 15 key behaviours that I believe uh, you know, leaders need to develop and build into their leadership journey. Um, I, I mean, I, and I said this to you before, I just read the the outline to John Maxwell's latest book called Leadership Shift. And I think he touches on very similar content of what we're mm. talking about, you know, the the importance of leaders, you know, focusing on relationship over results and people over process. And even I think to the you know, um, not on individual performance, but on team development. Mm. Um, and so there, I think, yeah, there's not huge amounts of um, content that I've sort of come across, um, which I think 
needs to change. Yeah, um, there's a gap there for sure. Yeah, there's definitely a gap. I mean, it's interesting. Um, I, I read in Harvard Business Review that, you know, saying that, you know, the need for different leadership development has never been more urgent. And so this sense of we kind of know we need to do this differently. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what what's stopping us? Um, I mean, obviously, as you said, you know, Simon Sinek, uh, some of the Brene Brown work, Adam Grant, um, mm. there's some there's some people out there that are kind of talking about this. And so, yeah. you know, there's there's definitely things out there, but I would say for a leader, your starting point is awareness. And, you know, you don't need to go to a course or read a book um, to be reflective, to ask yourself key questions every day, every week. You know, you know, I do this personally, so I, my advice to other leaders would be ask yourself at least once a week, be reflective and go, you know, what have been my key learnings this week as a leader? Um, you know, whether what did I learn from that conflict? What did I learn from that challenge? I also do like, you know, when I look back on my day or my week, is there anything that I could have done different or better? Mm. So I'm constantly trying to look at how I've managed situations or challenges or whatever or communication moments could have I done that different or better um and then I I do weekly gratitudes as well just as a way of you know what is it I can be sort of grateful for as a leader Mm. and so I think that reflective awareness piece um try and build some of those I guess less obvious leadership um behaviors like curiosity and empathy and building trust um you know that there are things that you can read about how do i become a better listener how do i you know build better alignment how do i continue to be a good learner um you know how can i grow in my curiosity sometimes it's just as simple as asking more questions yeah (laughs) um so yeah i mean i think there's there's definitely things that leaders can do every day and engage in every day that will help them grow and become more effective in their behaviour. Amazing. That's awesome. And if people want to get in touch with you, maybe get on a wait list for this new uh, content that's coming out uh, towards the end of the year, (laughs) what's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, So they can just click on our website, which is just um, bleaders.com.au, or they can email me, bread at bleaders.com.au. I'd love to connect with people if they're interested to know more about it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm hoping uh, that there will be some online content available. I've actually just started doing all the the kind of core content videos. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it, actually. Yeah, but look, I think there's absolutely a gap there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see that come out, and we've just given you a deadline of getting it done now. <laughs> so. right. Okay, now I'm going to have to do some work. <laughs> it will be done, exactly. Brett, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been great to have you here again, and, and we might get you back on once this is all live and uh, learn yeah. more about it. It's been wonderful to see you again and connect and have a great chat as always. Thanks for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a rating, comment and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to recommend us to a friend. We also love hearing suggestions for topics or guest speakers that you would love to hear from. The best way to reach us to give us those suggestions is over on our Facebook page. Simply head to Facebook and search Grow Your Influence. See you there.